I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples connect and discover God's design for marriage. Joining me today are Scott and Dawn Smith. Scott and Dawn have been married since 1987 and together have served at Lakewood since 2000. Scott is the discipleship pastor, and Dawn serves as discipleship associate for women and connection. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to hear from you guys. Thank you, Emily. We're very happy to be here. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So today, Scott and Dawn are going to be answering for us a marriage question submitted to us by our audience. So here's the question. Conflict has crept into our marriage because while we both enjoy our intimate moments, I prefer to have a consistent amount of touch, a random hug, holding hands, arm around each other, and nothing more than a connection. She was raised in a single-parent family and didn't witness any loving touch between parents. To me, it seems natural and necessary. Without it, there must be something wrong. Please help. Mm. I think this is a great question, and just as a, really as I'm listening to it and listening to an overview of the question, um, a couple of things really sort of stood out to me. One, um, conflict has crept into our marriage. Well, listen, if you if you have a different thought than the other person, the potential for conflict is there. Mm-hmm. So you really come into marriage with the potential for conflict. It's not something that necessarily, it just shows itself in, in the context of marriage. Um, so welcome to being married. Yeah. Conflict is not... Um, it's it, inevitable. It is inevitable. It's normal. It's natural. The The challenge for us is how we handle and navigate mm-hmm. conflict. Right. So we're going to have it, but, you know, establishing some of those ground and healthy ground rules, those healthy um, um, habits in conflict is so important that we still maintain respect. We understand that the other person is not necessarily wrong right. about something mm-hmm. or that I'm always right about something or that I'm always wrong or Scott's always right. Um, but it is more of a linking arms together to tackle the issue, mm-hmm. not seeing each other as the potential problem in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, I kind of heard that. And then secondly, just the back end of that question was the one partner saw something in their family of origin that was different than the other. Yeah. And what Scott and I know for sure, just in working with a lot of premarital couples, is that when they come to us for premarital counseling, they're really wanting to know how to be married. They I mean, they're, they're coming in earnest to figure out how to do marriage well. They think they don't know anything about it because they've never been married before. But the truth is, they really already have these very well-established paradigms of what relationships are like and how they work based on two things. One, their families of origin Mm -hmm. and then their past relational experiences. So it's not uncommon to um, hear that one spouse comes out of their family of origin. They've not seen, in this case, they've not seen physical touch Mm -hmm. really modeled in their home. So Mm -hmm. it's very foreign to them. It's not necessarily something that they've seen or experienced. And so being able to, um, actually put that down in the in the realities of their current marriage is a challenge. Um, it's like learning to speak a different language. And uh, so we, we know that this is not unusual as well, mm-hmm. that families of origin really do form our ideas of how relationships work. That's either really great um, or that's a big challenge for relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so you have the conflict 
issue going on, which is is normal. This is normative behavior. We're going to experience conflict in marriage. That's inevitable. And it's not a bad thing. Conflict, if we can embrace it, can be actually a, a means of growth in all aspects, emotionally, relationally, spiritually for us. You have, as you said, on the family of origin aspect that's going on. And most couples I have found don't realize the the full extent that family of origin plays on the marriage relationship. So understanding that piece. Another piece that I'm hearing, a third piece to that, is just the, the distinctiveness between males and females. And every couple, there's, there's going to be different needs, wishes, desires in the relationship emotionally, um, physically, uh, verbally, relationally, that they're going to have just because they're distinctly different. They're human beings created in the image of God. And as those reflections of God, they're going to be different. And differences are not necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. And then another piece I'm hearing in that is p- potentially just the variable of a variety of love languages. So why don't you talk touch on that for a little bit well i um you know if you've not heard our story scott and i had a very rocky beginning to our marriage i would say the first definitely the first year of marriage was really so hard both of us came with our own family of origin challenges uh definitely past relational experiences with challenges so but we got married so fast and so in love and you know it was just uh uh, uh, just an all-consuming thing and we just thought we would just live off of that love forever and it would be awesome and amazing and for a little while it was yes. and then uh, of course that wore off after a really short amount of time for us and we struggled deeply and we struggled in our conflict mm-hmm. and a lot of the conflict that we had we didn't handle it well with each other mm-hmm. um, you know my my method of of handling conflict is to you know withdraw affection and everything else to pretend like you do not exist to me you know you're dead to me i'm dead to you right Mm -hmm. i just you know i'll ignore you i'll turn my face (laughs) from you so you know pretty pretty good about that the silent treatment and but scott was always the pursue 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 wanting to get at me and nip it in the bud yeah and it just (laughs) never it never never really went well and so as a result of our inability to really handle struggle well we just spiraled down into Mm -hmm. um into into a really a loveless relationship it felt like that was our experience and but during the course of this time and even before we got married we had promised each other that we would or we really wanted to make it a habit to go to marriage conferences every year and we did that and um one of the marriage conferences that we went to was in a really small town in brooklet georgia they had a traffic light Mm -hmm. there and that was about it really small church and um i had been working at a bank at the time and one of the um, ladies that was uh, on the teller line with me said hey we're having a marriage conference this weekend at our church do you think you and scott would want to come and i thought well you know yeah i mean we of course not that there's a lot of hope in this relationship but (laughs) we promised we would go and so we would do we 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 went she said dr um gary chapman is going to be there and I didn't know who that was, and but he was teaching the material of the love languages. This was before the book came out. He was just out teaching the material. 
And when he taught the love languages to Scott and to me at that time, it was really like a light bulb came on for us. Um, that while we were um, in our homes really trying to say we loved each other, we were really speaking our language, mm-hmm. but in a way that the other person didn't understand because yeah. we weren't yeah. speaking their language. So um, if if any of you out there have not picked up or read the five love languages, we, we highly encourage you to do it. Basically, the premise is that every person has one of five primary love languages, um, acts of service, mm-hmm. words of affirmation, mm-hmm. physical touch, gifts and quality and quality time, time. Mm-hmm. and that really one of those um, love languages that we all have at least one primary one then that's the way we sort of when it's communicated to us in that way that's when we really feel the love right. mm-hmm. not that Scott didn't love me but but he wasn't speaking it in a way that I f- could feel it yeah. and the goal is to have our spouse really feel the love and so for me, my love language is gifts. Um, She's easily bought. I, I can be bought. I guess I'm just shallow that way. But I'm there with you. you know okay. what I'm saying? Yes, I mean, I I'd love, I just love a gift. And whenever Scott would come home with something that was, uh, you know, a gift that was special for me, I felt the love. Mm-hmm. But now Scott's the gifts really rank way down at the bottom mm-hmm. for Scott. And so, this is where we, we talk about, Dawn, this whole idea of distinctly different in that it's not uncommon that one spouse, as I kind of hear in this question, what what expresses love to one spouse may not be as meaningful. They may appreciate that expression of love, but it's not as meaningful. And so I'm kind of hearing in this question this is meaningful to me, but it is, it's either not a priority or is not as equally meaningful to my spouse. And so right. that's kind of where we were. Mm-hmm. And so it takes a level of intentionality from yes. the spouse to know, okay, this is how my spouse feels loved. I've got to plan and be intentional to show it in that way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So Scott's love language was acts of service. Mm-hmm. And... If I could just, I mean, in in the in our marriage, a snapshot of that is that Scott would be downstairs doing the dishes, sweeping the floors, that type of thing. But I'd be sprawled out on the bed upstairs crying because I didn't think Scott loved me. Now that and would be a I dream was the kind of guy, else, Emily, that I me, thought every woman would want to yeah, be married that's right. to a man. And, like and me. A lot of women, <laughs> women would, and so, uh, but but I, it was not. It's something that it was communicating love for me. In fact, whenever Scott would buy a gift, I mean, he just stunk at it so mm, bad. You know, terrible. our first anniversary, he gave me a potted plant. I mean, that was it. <laughs> that was it. I still think it was a bookmark, but no, the book, uh, with he something gave, nice no, written on the no, back. No, we got married in December, and the first birth, my birthday is in February, so the first birthday we had together, he gave me a bookmark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not with the book. The end. You still have it. <laughs> yes, I do still have it. Um, but it was upsetting to me. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? I was like, is this because I is this how much you love me? Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And um but whenever I would go and this was the eighties now, so whenever I'd be out shopping for eel skin wallets or something mm. like that, you know, it yeah. felt <laughs> then and Scott would open it and all he would see was dollar signs flying like, out of the box. You, you know, it just money didn't mean anything to him. To spend. Right. Yeah. And uh so, you know, I I grew up with uh I had a maid in the house and 
And so, you know, cleaning up a house is not something I really knew how to do or cared to learn how. I'd rather chew my leg off than do Mm -hmm. some of that stuff. But that was what really spoke love to Scott. So that was a light bulb moment for us that Mm -hmm. that the learning the love languages and starting to practice the love languages. So we started to practice the love languages as a tool in our relationship to work on our relationship. And it honestly did not fix what was broken. I mean, it's not meant to be that there's only Mm -hmm. one savior Mm -hmm. and the love languages is not it. Jesus is the only one who can truly fix what's broken inside of us and bring healing to Mm -hmm. what's broken inside of us. But the love languages was a tool that Mm -hmm. sort of raised the level of goodwill between Scott and me Mm -hmm. that we really wanted to work on our marriage again. We wanted to do the things that, was ha- were hard mm-hmm. to be able to um, to bring healing to the brokenness that we both had in, in in each other. So, when I listened to this question of my, I would wonder: Is this is this because I'm it's the, it's the man asking the mm-hmm. question? He right. said, you know, she comes from a different family of origin mm-hmm. that didn't do that. That if his love language is physical touch, that it's a way for him to, his love tank to be full Mm -hmm. and to feel full. Um, And what we, what we tend to, what I didn't understand was that a little bit of their love language goes a really long way. And so even just learning, okay, when it's time for Scott, and I know he's coming home in the evenings he really just wanted to come in the house and be able to see that the sight lines were clean. It's not that he expected a perfect house, but I would ha- enlist the kids. We need to everybody pick up everybody so that dad's sight lines can be cleaned because I knew it made him feel loved. Right, and and he was he was a, you know more attentive to me as a result of just that little bit. And mm-hmm. so, just as a word, maybe to both to this couple, one we would say, get your hands on the love languages and just right. see mm-hmm. if this is. Because I don't think when he says something's wrong, I'm not, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that relationship. It's not wrong with every one of us. Mm -hmm. We just sometimes need a little tool to Mm -hmm. help us get out of that ditch and get rolling again. It gives clarity and understanding is really what we're talking about. Yeah, that perhaps they can do that and figure out, is that his love language? Figure out what her love language is. Mm -hmm. And then being able to practice that what you were talking about earlier, Emily, of, you know, of going, okay, I need to think about that other person, what helps them feel loved. And then I'm not, I need to think about what it's going to look like to sacrificially love them in this yeah. way. Cause acts of service again, wasn't mine gifts was definitely not Scott's. So we had to learn how to sacrificially love each other a little bit. And that sacrificial love went a long way right. in helping us. Yeah, That's good. I think there can be a level of like excitement in anticipating loving your spouse in the way that they like to yeah. be loved, looking yeah. forward to it. It's going to be a blessing to them. Um, That's so good. Over time. Yeah. For and sure. there's, there's this piece too, Emily, when we think of, about sacrificial love that really marriage, marriage is a, an earthly example in this side of heaven for us to practically play out, to demonstrate want to one another, me to Dawn, Dawn to me, the the love of Christ. And so if you think of it this way, when Paul says in Romans twelve ten, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, 
The ESV puts it this way, be devoted to one another in brotherly affection, outdo one another in honor. So if we talk to this couple, if we, we had this couple sitting before us, I would say to both the husband and to the wife, I would say, listen, what you want to do, you, you both are bringing legitimate needs to the table, yeah. and you are both the only ones given to your partner by God to legitimately meet those legitimate needs. Now, he could seek to go outside of the marriage to have his physical needs for a, 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 a affirmation, a, attention, affection, however it's dis, uh, displayed physically for him, but that would be an illegitimate way to do it. But in the context of marriage, we have the opportunity, because our spouses are distinctly different from us, we have an opportunity to display Christ to them. So for me, specifically for Dawn, though she alluded to, giving of gifts is one of my love, lowest love languages. It is a great way for me to sacrificially love her because she knows when I express love to her in that way, it's a sacrifice to me because it's not something, one, that means anything to me, for me specifically, but two, it required something of me emotionally, mentally, spiritually to give that to her and and vice versa. And so that for this couple, if they were sitting with us, I would say, look, Here's a way for you both to sacrificially give love and preference and honor to one another. Does that make sense? That's good. That makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Do you and Benji know your love languages? Do y'all uh, practice your love languages? Yes. He is quality time, and I am words of affirmation. Okay. I think we might have a couple, but those would probably be our top ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's not unusual to have a couple. Right. I mean, I, I do feel like mm-hmm. for Scott and me, based on our life circumstances, maybe others have risen up close. But in seasons still, of life, and seasons tend of life, but still gifts bit. and still acts of service have been our primary right. ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's been thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for a long time. But we still recommend we still recommend it and we would recommend it to this couple to give it a shot at least to start there. Yeah. And then, you know, and I would wonder how do you open up, you know, good communication conversation and any time that, which I think is a good practice for this couple. When you, when a recurring conflict comes up, like something that you're just, you know, it's one that, you know, this is consistent. It's not coming up. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, then it's time to go get some good, wise counsel. Mm -hmm. Time to go outside and seek wise counsel. Mm -hmm. Because eventually, if you don't do that, so much frustration will build up that you'll Mm -hmm. be open to relief from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we want. We we don't want to just be so frustrated that we're open to relief from any area because that's when we're vulnerable to temptation Mm -hmm. and to falling to temptation. So, when you get to that place where you know, okay, we've got a recurring situation that we can't resolve, just the two of us, we need third-party wise counsel right. mm-hmm. to be able to give them some objective feedback and perspective um, and counsel and advice on what the potential issues are and how to resolve those issues. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then just a very practical week-to-week, and we can end here if we need to, um, is this, when we're working with couples, I, I would say to this couple, here's just something very practical y'all can do as an exercise this week after you leave us. At some point uh, during the week, carve out some time where you can give intentional, uh, directive, um, 
oversight and, and intentionality with each other and ask each other these three questions. Just start out with this question. What's working? So this, I would say to this couple, in that question, what's working? You're simply saying, let's celebrate what has gone well for us as, as a couple in our marriage, in our relationship. What, what are we happy about? What's working for both of us? So we're going to celebrate that and start with the wife answering and then the husband can answer. Then you go to the next level where he could potentially address this issue. They go to the question, what's not working? And it's there that he can say, well, honey, I, I appreciate that you did this for me this week, or you said this, or you wrote this, but it would mean a lot to me if, and he can ask that of her. And she could do a very similar thing. So they're basically saying, this is working, uh, but this it would be better for me if we could work on this. And then the, the next question that they both ask of each other is, how can I help you? Okay. If Dawn says to me, honey, it would mean a lot to me if this week you would, and she fills in that blank, um, I just simply say, well, what would be a practical way for me to meet that need specifically? If you need, here's how she does it for me, Emily, very practically. Occasionally when I'm going on a trip or I, I may just be going to the store, to, she might say to me, hey, boy, bring me back a surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in essence, what she's saying is what's not working right now, Scott, my love tank is a little empty. And so while you're at the store, I want you to think about something that you might could bring me back to express love to me. And I don't take offense to that. Now, right. some couples might say, well, gosh, where's the romanticism in that? She's Dawn's actually telling you what to do. Or um, We learned years ago, Emily, we would rather set each other up for success and not set ourselves up for disappointment. So she, Dawn, is doing the due diligence to say, hey, honey, when you go to the um, store, bring me back a surprise. She's doing the due j- diligence to set me up for success. And in so doing, I do the due diligence not to come back with nothing right. because I don't want to set her up for yeah. disappointment. Exactly. Does that make sense? That's good. Yeah. I like the idea of having a, a weekly meeting to check in because when you don't do that, you really set yourself up to become bitter when mm-hmm. there's a lack of communication. That's right. And that's so exactly that's right. Very helpful. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for being here with us today. Mm-hmm. And we will be back to answer some more marriage questions in the coming days. So if you'd like to submit a question regarding marriage, you can go to forevermarriage.org and scroll to the middle of our homepage where you will find information on how to do that. See you next time.